Well, good evening, everyone, on this beautiful, sunshiny Sunday. So glad to have you guys with me tonight. Uh, For those who don't know me, I'm Pastor Daniel, and I get the privilege of sharing with you guys tonight, and I am really excited. Uh, I I kind of always like to preach, but some topics just make me more excited than others. And today, we get to talk about healing. Now, I think healing is a massive subject because it matters to everybody. Because every one of you has either been sick, loved somebody who's been sick, known somebody who's been sick. Like, you love or know somebody who needs to be healed. And if you don't, meet somebody. Like, it's just part of the human experience. Presently, we're running at about 100 out of 100 people will eventually die. So, like, this is part of the human experience, and as such, um, it's, it's something that we all have a vested interest in. So I know that what we're, we're sharing tonight will matter to you. And I was looking, going, as we, we bring up healing, there's a few different questions that come to mind. And I wanted to answer some of these questions. So tonight, we're going to look at, does God want to heal you? Is healing for today? Does God still heal? Um, What should you do? And can God heal people through you? Um, So to start with, I want to look at at number one. Does God want you healed? Does God want you whole? And I would like to say, to start with, yes. God wants you healed. And as I begin to, to think about this, I begin to look at the life of Jesus. And I begin to look, and if, if you've grown up in church, you have heard lots of stories of Jesus healing people. If you have never heard about Jesus, you've missed out. But what you need to know, uh, or one of the first things that, that we're talking about, is that in his earthly ministry, he was well known for traveling around healing people. Like constantly, they're bringing people to him. But some people write off his healing people and go, well, that's just because he needed to prove that he was the Messiah. That was just because he needed to prove who he was. So that was for then, and then he went back to heaven, and that was the end of it. But I want to show you something, because I think this is cool. Jesus didn't just heal people to get lots of credit. It wasn't just like, oh, is anybody looking? Hey, guys, I'm going to do a miracle. Check this out. I'm Jesus. That's how it's going to happen. Watch this. See this deaf guy? He's going to hear. Are you all looking? Looking? Can you hear anything? Snap, 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 snap. Nope, he can't hear anything. Pop. Like, sometimes that's kind of what we, like, picture. Is, we don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone explain it that way. But when they say, well, he just did miracles to prove that he was the Messiah, that's kind of what they're saying. But in Mark chapter 7, we, we find a story of a deaf man who comes to Jesus. Jesus takes him aside to where people aren't looking, prays for him, heals him, and then it says in verse 36, Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And then in Luke, there's a leper. <clears throat> Again, Jesus heals the leper and then doesn't say, tell everyone who I am. He says, Go tell no one, but show yourself to the priest. I'm like, so, so you didn't heal them so that everyone would recognize who you are. You healed them because you wanted them to be whole. 
And then I looked and you find the same thing after he raises the little girl from the dead. And I go, well, why? Matthew chapter 14, verse 14. When Jesus um, went on shore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He looked and didn't go, hey, I'm gonna heal you so that everyone sees me. He looked and said, I need to heal you because you're broken. He goes, I love you. And broken isn't the way that you're meant to be. And so out of compassion, he moved and he healed the sick. And he hasn't changed. God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we could, we could spend a whole message sharing on the different times that he healed people and his heart behind it. And that he said that he only did what he saw the father doing and that he was the exact representation of God the father and that that's God's desire. But I have talked to people who have said that fits in a box. That's what Jesus did while Jesus was here. And so rather than fight them, we're just going to come around their box and, and look at things another way. What did Jesus teach? So we have what Jesus did, but if they don't want to believe what Jesus did and they want to put that in the box of that was just for during Jesus' time, then what did he teach? Luke chapter 10, verse 8. He's commissioning his disciples. He says, whenever you enter a town, receive what they eat, um, receive, re receive you, eat what is set before you. My parents got a lot of mileage out of that verse. It's like, where they lead you, you will follow what they feed you, you will swallow. It was like a family motto and we ate lots of things. Um, but yeah, so he goes on, he says, as he's commissioning them and they're going out, he says, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And he attached healing and the kingdom. Everywhere that Jesus went, he proclaimed the kingdom. He commissioned his disciples to proclaim the kingdom. And he said that part of the kingdom is healing. And he goes, this is what you are to preach. The kingdom of heaven. And you go, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom is the place where a king's will is done. Um, and so he goes through and says, you're going to preach this and you're going to preach what my will is. And as he commissions them to preach that his will is going to be done, he says, open it up with healing the sick because that's my will. That's my desire for them. I desire that they would be healed. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he tells us to, he's telling us to pray. If you've ever heard the Lord's Prayer, um, he goes through and he says, that's part of the Lord's Prayer, and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, do you think that there's a lot of sick people in heaven? Do you think that there are miserable and like suffering from intense back pain? So that's what God's will is? That there wouldn't be? Because he actually spells it out in Revelation 21. He goes through and says that in heaven, there'll be no more um, pain. That there'll be no more sorrow. That there'll be no more death for the former things have passed away. And he begins to lay this out and goes, that's, that's not what I want. And the, the gospel that the disciples preached was a gospel that included healing. When Paul was preaching in Acts chapter 14, 
It says that there was a man in the crowd who when he heard him preach, Paul saw that the man was filled with faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this man hears the gospel, the good news of what Jesus came to bring and do. And Paul turns to him and says, stand up. And the cripple goes, yeah, and jumps up. And everyone's like, what? And it's crazy, it's cool. But, but what I want you to catch is that the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus includes healing. Somehow in, in Western society, we have compartmentalized it and we have tried to remove anything that's current from the gospel. And we've put the gospel as what will happen when we die. And God goes, it's so much more than what will happen when you die. It's supposed to affect how you live. And healing is part of this. And, and, and it goes through over and over. See, Jesus, he fulfilled a prophecy in Isaiah. It says, um, but that he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. In the same prophecy that prophesies that he would pay for our forgiveness comes that he would pay for our healing. And we often get these separated, but, but he put them together. And he said it wasn't a spiritual, like in Matthew, it says what he was talking about was physical healing. Because he says in Matthew chapter 8, um, it lists that he's healing, healing the sick, that he's casting out um, demons. And it says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And to make sure that we get it, 1 Peter 2, verse 24, Peter reads this and he says, he himself bore our sins. So if you've received God's forgiveness, it's because he bore your sins in his body. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. But let's finish the verse. In his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live, live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So again, in the same verse, we find the forgiveness of our sins and the healings of our bodies. That when Jesus paid, for, paid the price, he paid for both. But somehow we've gotten on a half-off sale and cut off half of what we got. Instead of paying less, we just received less. And it's, it's a, a tragedy, but it's where so many people are at. God paid the highest price because he wants us healed. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. And I'm going through a bunch of verses. We'll get to some stories in a minute. A lot of people are like, you always tell stories. I'll tell stories. We'll tell some testimonies. But I wanted to lay some groundwork. I want you to understand that God wants you healed. That comes first. And once you can understand that, then we can encourage it and we can build it with some different stories. But we're going to look both at what God wants for us and then where so many of us get hung up. Because um, Jesus paid for our healing. In Galatians 3, verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a... Oh, sorry. Not the verse I was going for, but it's true. It's a good verse. Um, he redeemed us from, all that, from sin and all that sin brought. Sickness was not in the Garden of Eden before sin. It came with sin. It came as the result of sin. 
And when he redeemed us from sin, he paid the price for our freedom. I was talking about this the other day, and my mom, I was talking about it for seven at seven, and my mom posted on there, to redeem, to buy back, to recover, to ransom, to set free, to deliver from sin and its penalties. When he redeemed us from sin, he'd paid the price not only for forgiveness, but for healing. We don't have to walk under the curse. And if you want to hear a great message on that, listen to Pastor Duane's message from last week, Sunday morning. But, um, so I, I begin to look at this. In Romans 8, 32, it says that if Jesus, if he who did not spare his own son, but gave, himself, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he paid this price, won't he give you the thing he paid for. And so, okay, so I, I begin to look at this and I'm going, okay, so this is God's desire. And then this is where it starts to, to hit home for us. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay? So, Jesus healed people because God was with him. This is, his, this is God's desire for people. Hebrews tells us that God will never leave you or forsake you. So he goes through Jesus' plan, Jesus' ministry, his desires— didn't end when Jesus went into heaven. Let me say that again. Jesus' ministry, his plan and desires didn't end when he went to heaven. Because so many people go, well, that was for then. Yeah, you, you, you can make a case and say that Jesus healed people and he wanted people healed. He commissioned his disciples to heal people. But I'm going to put that in a <clears throat> first century box and say that ended at the end of the first century. But, but that's not what Jesus taught. In fact, in Matthew 28, verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And this is part of his commissioning of his disciples. But what gets really cool is in the recording of this in uh, Mark, chapter 16. He says, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel. And, and he talks about um, that. And he says in verse 17, these signs will accompany those who believe. He lists these different signs and ends the list where they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, then you are one who believes, right? You believed on him. Then these signs are supposed to follow us. But somehow we, we have these like groups and one group says, well, those signs were for those who came in the first century. And then we have another group who's like, <clears throat> We're really spiritual. We know it's for today, but it is for, these signs will follow those who have a healing and teaching ministry. And someone else goes, no, you know what? I think it goes for all those who are pastors. But Jesus said, it's for all those who believe. And, it, and he, didn't re, he didn't reduce it to a small group. In fact, in John 14, 12, he says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. God's desire to move on the earth has not decreased. 
In fact, he told us that we are his ambassadors, that we are supposed to bring his presence and bring the culture of the kingdom that includes healing everywhere that we go. So why don't we see it? And I have a thought. In fact, um, I've been thinking about this all week, courtesy of Pastor Duane. He made a comment last week that just like rung in my ears that I'm going to repeat here in just a minute, but it, it got me thinking. And, and here's, here's, what, here's my wording here. Many of us have taken a sensational experiential position. And I'll explain that because some of you guys are going, that's just a lot of big words. What do you mean? Um, we have reduced God's desire to heal people to that which is extravagant, showy, and unexplainable. And then we added onto it an experiential theology. So, if I didn't see something massive, big, showy, and unexplainable, I assumed that God wasn't part of it, that God was done, and then I based my theology on the fact that I prayed and saw nothing happen. And what pastor said last week that really got me going, he said this, he says, um, <clears throat> to receive healing, we have to keep the switch of faith turned on. Many times, if we don't see it instantly, we, we turn off the switch. And I got thinking about how often this is the case. Where we go, how many of you guys have ever been sick and had someone pray for you? Anybody ever have that happen? Okay, how many of you have ever had any of those not happen instantaneously? Ever? Okay, here's the temptation. They pray for you, and you're like, still stuffy. Didn't work. And like, we, we take it, and we give it like three seconds, and then we're like, eh, didn't work. It's like, turn on the switch. Let's have power. Ah, nope, didn't work. Look, turn it off. And I begin to look at this going, wait a second. I think a lot of us are turning off our miracle before we see it. We're fighting ourselves. A friend was telling me a story about their kid. And they said that their kid was building the sandcastle and they were all excited and they had this sandcastle like most of the way done and their little brother came over and kicked the corner of the castle. Because um, that's sometimes what little brothers do. And so the, the bigger kid was, was greatly upset, but dad's heading over there like, I'm going to be his hero. I'm going to work with him and we're going to fix the castle. And he sees what his brother did, he gets mad, and he just kicks his own castle and just destroys the whole thing. And his dad took this wonderful teaching moment to teach him. But I looked and thought, you know, I think that's what we do. We go, I didn't see it right away. That's it. It didn't work. And, and as, I, as I pondered this, I thought, do I see it in the Bible? Like, they record a bunch of these that are instantaneous, and God does instant miracles. I have seen miracles that happen in a split second where somebody um, comes up one way, walks out another way. We've seen crutches left in this room. I've seen people um, who couldn't feel their toes feel their toes by the time that they left. I've seen circulation change. I've seen cancer. I've seen a lot of cool things, and I've seen a lot of miracles. But sometimes there's prayer, there's faith, and there's healing. 
or there's a miracle, but even still, there can be a, a gap. See, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. That means faith's position is for the gap where you have the promise and you have not yet physically received the thing that's been promised. Um, that's why it's the evidence of things not yet seen. But I, I, I begin to look and go, okay, um, we're going to pray, but let me see in the Bible, is there a spot where I see people having to stand in this gap? And there's this, this story in the Bible, in Luke chapter 17, of these lepers. And leprosy was a nasty disease. Uh, and we won't get into all of its nastiness. Just, it's gross. It's gross. And the people that had it were rejected and they were ostracized, and they had to like warn anybody who came near them that they were gross and unclean. And so when somebody would show up, they'd be like, stay away, I'm unclean, I'm gross. And then they would have to like live outside of town. And it was, it was not only was it a horrible disease for them to encounter physically, but emotionally, and through a lot of rejection, this was a, a big thing. And they come to Jesus, and they're really not supposed to come to anybody, they're supposed to run away from everybody, so there's like they're moving, but they, there's this expectation, there's this desire that maybe the, the Jesus that they've been hearing about could make them whole. So they, they come. And I don't know how close they got before they started like yelling, hey, we're lepers, but can you heal us? I don't know if they like tried to sneak up and see how close they could get or if they were like trying to announce this. I, I, I wasn't there. But what, what I know is that they called out to him and Jesus doesn't always heal the way you wanted. Like, I am sure that they wanted the, you're healed. Yeah, like that, that's, of course, everyone wants that. I have yet to meet somebody who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really praying for a slow healing. Mm-hmm, yep. That, that's my desire. You know, can I have like a couple more weeks with this issue? Like, my back has been killing me. I just need a few more weeks of that. Like, that, that, that's not anybody's thing. So they're, they're wanting an instant healing. And Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, go show yourself to the priest. Which is weird because they'd show themselves to the priest to be declared clean after they were healed. They haven't been healed. And he says, go show yourself to the priest. And then we have the gap. Because they go to show themselves to the priest. Along the way, their healing manifests. Now, I know it wasn't instant because it says that one of them turned back to go to Jesus, when he got to Jesus to thank Jesus for healing him, Jesus goes, hey, there's one. What happened to the other nine? Is it only, only this foreigner, this one, who would come back to give me credit? If they were all standing at the other side of this room, he wouldn't be like, where's the other nine? Like, they're, they're right there. So they took a trek, holding on to the promise, going, he said, so we're going to. What do you see? Nothing. But he said it. And so I'm going to stand on this promise and I'm going to walk towards what he said. And when they did along the way, they were made whole. As Pastor Duane was talking about this the other day, he pointed out James 5, 15, he said, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. That was a process. Mark chapter 16, verse 18, that we already read, says they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. But I think in, in the Western church, we have thrown out all healings that include recovery or raise up. And we've said, 
Did they miraculously, instantaneously leap? Did they, if not, we throw it out. And then if we throw them all out, then we say, well, last time it didn't work, so therefore it doesn't work. Did you know that experience will lie to you? But that's what a lot of people put their faith in. Simple, simple example. If I walk into a basketball court and I take a basketball and I go to shoot free throws, I may not be the best basketball player. Let's just say I go 10 for 10, all misses. What does that tell me? It tells me a lot of things. It tells me, A, I'm not very good at basketball, but B, if I just hold that, it tells me you cannot make a free throw. There is a 100% chance you're always going to miss. Is that true? No. If I keep shooting, I'm going to make it. In fact, if I keep shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting, I might even get good at it. The reason I'm not good at it is because I haven't been doing it. So just shooting the basketball and saying that I failed would be lying to me about my future. A lot of people once prayed to be healed and said, I didn't receive it, but they held on to the promise that they could never be healed. But he goes, no, no, no. Lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. A long time ago, back when I was in high school, I was getting ready to go on a mission trip to India. And I was so excited, except it was expensive. And so we went to raise money and we're, um, we found somebody who said, hey, I'll support you guys if you'll weed uh, my landscaping. And they had an insane amount of landscaping. We didn't finish, but we filled 10 large garbage bags, like large garbage bags full of weeds. Um, in that process, there was poison ivy. And I got poison ivy all over my bicep. And it was like this thick, thick patch here and then some random spots. I am not a fan of poison ivy. And so I, I was not very happy to have it. But we were sitting in a meeting, a, a prayer meeting for this trip beforehand. And I felt like God spoke to me and said, he wanted to heal my poison ivy. And I'm like, sweet, heal it. And he's like, I want you to have her pray for you. And he just, like, the person straight across from me, he's like, I want her to pray for you and your poison ivy is going to be healed. It's going to encourage you and her. I'm like, cool. I, I'm, I'm down with that. So as, as we kind of like came to a close, I, I went up to her. I'm like, hey, I felt like God spoke to me. You're going to pray for me and I'm going to be healed. She's like, okay. She prayed for me. And you know what I saw? Nothing. But you know what God said? I was healed. Okay, sometimes you have to be careful what you ask God for. I asked, but I believed that the poison ivy was going to fall off. That's really a stupid thing to pray for. I should have prayed for it to just go away. And like, but I, I was believing it was going to fall off. That was what I stood on. And so I prayed, she prayed. And to all appearances, nothing amazing occurred. But by golly, he said it, I was healed. So I went home and I went to bed because it was late and we had to be up early. I think we were like leaving within a day or two. So um, I get up in the morning and I look at my arm and there is a hole isn't the right word because you, you picture something going all the way through. But it looked like it had literally fallen off like just raw wound where the poison ivy had been 
and then there's like the main section of it and then a couple spots where it looked almost like it had been just cut off or fallen off. And I was like, that's awesome! Why did I pray for it like that? But anyways, this is awesome! But what would have happened if I would have said, ah, it didn't work. Guess God doesn't heal. I believe that if I would have turned the switch off, that would have been the end. And I begin to think about this, and I begin to go through my Bible and discover that there are all sorts of stories where somebody prays, and the miracle doesn't happen. And see what they did? They prayed again. And a couple of these spots, one guy prays two times, another guy prays three times, another one prays seven times. And in the end, we see the miracle and we read it a couple thousand years later and we're like, they prayed, there was a miracle! And we like totally skip that they held on to the promise. And when they held on to the promise, they saw it come to pass. And as I was beginning to write this, um, I looked at all of these different stories. I'm trying to decide how many to share. We'll share one more. But I got a word for somebody. I don't know if you're in, in the room or if you're watching online. But there's somebody in here who's been sick for a long time. And you've prayed, and you prayed. And then you stopped praying. And you accepted your condition as your life, or worse, as God's plan for you. But that isn't how Jesus responded. He prayed again, and today we're going to pray again, and we're going to see some people healed. Because that's what God has for you. I'm going to skip that story. But a lot of us, we let go, we turn the switch off really fast. And a lot of us look at us to decide if God can use us and to decide if we should receive a miracle. But there's, there is some folly in this. Um, I talked to someone the other day, and this is what they said. They're, they said, the older I get, the more revelation of his truth I get. Someday, I'm going to lay my hands on people, and they're going to be healed. And love the person. But I was just looking and going, I'm going I'm to get all these things, and then maybe someday, then God can use me. God wants to use you today. If I was to go to a restaurant with my dad, let's say for whatever reason, we go to a really fancy restaurant, one that I cannot afford. But dad takes me to the restaurant. Do you know what I'm going to order? Whatever I want. Do you want to know why? Because my wallet is irrelevant. It doesn't matter that I can't afford it because he can. Okay, and, and, and I look at this and it's pretty simple if we take it to a restaurant you're going, you're going with the person who has the ability to pay and they're paying. So get what you want to eat. Put in the order. Don't look at it and go, oh, I can't eat here because I don't have enough money. Well, they're paying. Yeah, but, but I don't have enough money. But that's what a lot of us have done. Is we've said, well, I'm not good enough for a miracle. I don't deserve it. But it, it's not about you. 
It's about what he did. He paid because he loves you. So your inability to pay is irrelevant. He loves you and he paid the price and it states something about him. I'll get a little bit excited. Okay, um, in, in John chapter 16, it says, he's, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and that he's going to give these different things to you. And it says, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He says, I will get credit. I will get glory when the Holy Spirit gives you these things that are mine. It is my desire that I give it to you, not because you earned it, but because I did. It's mine and I choose to give it because he wants you healed. In, in Galatians, it does it again. In Galatians, he Paul is talking and he goes through to these people and he goes, who's bewitched you? And he, and he, he, he goes through this. And he's going, you, you started by faith. Why are you trying to shift by works? And, and he goes through and he says, does he who supplies the spirit to you by works, uh, spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And, and, he, and he puts this in the, it's in the middle of this argument. You can read the whole chapter. That's Galatians chapter three. But what you need to see is he goes that the miracles, that the gifts of healing aren't for you when you achieve grandmaster. It's not, hey, you know what? If you got put all your stickers on the chart, you read your Bible every day this year, you prayed at every meal, you are now qualified for a level three miracle. <laughs> and, and not only any of us would like say it that silly, but a lot of us think of it that way. We go through going, well, I'm just, you, you just don't know. I'm just not, I'm not good enough. You know, or sometimes we write off our, our miracle and other times we write off our ability to be used to see a miracle. And we go, well, I couldn't pray for the sick. I don't like know the whole Bible. I'm not like Pastor Dwayne. I have not gone through the Bible as many times as he has. I couldn't do that. And we write it off but God wants to use you. And it's not about your perfection, it's about his. Just like you can't be forgiven because you earned it. You aren't healed because you earned it, you get healed because he paid for it. And it's a powerful thing when we get to lay our hands on the sick and to see people recover, not because I'm perfect, but because he was. And so... Um, Landon, you can come on up. Um, we're going to see some people healed tonight. But this is where it gets fun. Is you're going to participate. Because these signs will follow those who believe. Has anyone in the room made Jesus the Lord of their life? All right. If you haven't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so. So you can participate. Um, not just so you can participate, because being forgiven and being right with God is incredible. He wants a relationship with you, and you if you don't have a relationship with him, you are missing out. And at the same time as he purchased your forgiveness, he purchased healing for you. We want to make sure to leave the switch of faith turned on. So first, before we get into to, uh, praying for the sick, I want to pray for those who need to know my Jesus, who, need to, who want to make him the Lord of their life and to receive his forgiveness and to receive all that he has for them. Can I get everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes?
if you're here and, or you're online and you say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to know that I'm right with God and I'm away to heaven. I want to make him the Lord of my life. And then when I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. See that hand. Who else is that? That's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God and I'm away to heaven. Awesome. All right, we're going to say a simple prayer because the Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So we're going to call on his name. We're going to declare him to be Lord. So if you raised your hand or you've done that before, then go ahead and join me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. I choose to follow you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.